Welcome to another episode of the Always Do Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Nichols. So happy to be here. I am diving straight in. We're talking conspiracy theories today with food and health. Sounds crazy, but don't worry. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just trying to put some things to bed because sometimes when I see these things, they get me fired up. And I think it's important to make sure we clear the air on a lot of these things, especially in food and health. And I know a lot of people are trying to be healthy out there. I am constantly trying to figure this out. So that's what gets me fired up. And that leads me into uh, what are you grateful for today? For me personally, it's a passion for health. It's really nice when you find a passion for something. Um, I don't know. There's a, a lot to be said for how you find it. I know people, that gets me fired up too, people offering courses to find it. There are things like the Japanese called Ikigai, which is um, four little um, Venn diagrams kind of, or circles that overlap into the middle. And in the middle is where you find basically um, what you're good at, what people want, what you can make money for. Um, and what is useful. And then in the middle of all of that, you can find what you're passionate about. And I just think it comes down to something simpler than that. Just doing a whole bunch of things and having self-awareness and paying attention to what you get excited about. And for me, that's what I'm grateful for, finding a passion for health. And that's what we're talking about today because honestly, I could not sleep last night because I was so fired up about a comment that I saw I am into health, I post about health, and sometimes I'll scroll briefly on social media just to get some content ideas or follow um, other people that are in talking about health. And You know, I like to learn. I find some useful information, but one person that I follow, really respect, won't say any names or anything like that, but he was saying that, and this is the quote of the day, the government and systems are trying to keep you fat and sick so that they can keep the medical system going. And it's a circular loop and conspiracy that the government is and corporations are selling you shitty food for the single purpose of keeping you fat and sick and pumping money into the medical system. And this is the conspiracy that I want to talk about today. And that's the very first thing. There is no food conspiracy at all that's not how the world works that's not how the global economy works that's not how market economies work this and this is the point these things even though they seem like they're in the present day for us because they are and that's all we can see and we forget so easily what happened 10 15 20 50 100 years ago and that's the point these things don't just happen over the past decade or the past 50 years or even 100 years. This is a a thousand, a 10,000, a 12,000 year old process. When humans started to get domesticated by wheat and started to settle in settlements around eight to 9,000 BC. So, and uh, Yuval Noah Harari talks about this in Sapiens. Mm -hmm. um, and this is when the decisions were started to be made. And this is what I think is so fascinating. In the book Sapiens, he says, basically, the agricultural revolution was a trap and the worst thing that happened to humans. Again, if you haven't read the book, read the book. It is phenomenal. And he says, so if it was so bad for humans, why did they continue to domesticate themselves, be domesticated by weeds, start farming? Um, even though it was so bad for us, we were working, or sapiens were working way longer than they ever had. They went from, you know, foraging and nomadic tribes to working, you know, four hours a day and then 
hunting and gathering and then moving on to the next place a simple life into working very hard on the fields plowing laboring um 10 12 hour days to get a harvest and even this led to the introduction of slavery so this was not good for humanity but why did humanity keep going and the perfect answer is each generation did what the last generation did and then along the way when new information revealed itself they made some minor tweaks along the way based on the information that they had that they thought was best and a simple example he gives when a previous generation had a farm and they were only working a certain amount of hours let's say to get a harvest and they learned that if they put in an extra hour or two per day they would get a bigger harvest and if they got a bigger harvest they could feed their family and also have some left over to sell to make some money not bad when you're in the present but they also could not foresee, because we cannot predict the future, could not foresee that this led to growing family sizes because of the abundance in food um, and extras. It also led to lowering of immunities due to the wheat. And then it also led to growing cities and prosperous where disease could spread like wildfire. So there were a lot of things that came that weren't beneficial. And of course, Talking about 12,000 years ago, I'm sure they couldn't predict the epidemic we're in now where wheat and gluten and sugar would have all of the effects that they have now. So I hope that makes sense that these decisions were made over thousands and thousands of years that led us to where we are now. This isn't something that just happened overnight where I hear the word like conspiracy. Oh, there's a conspiracy between, you know, the government and these corporations trying to make you sick and fat. We'll get into how a market economy works, but if you know anything about economics, you, listener, and me, the consumers, we are what drive the economy. We'll get to that in a second. I'll get down to that um, in a little bit. But sticking with this is that these were decisions made over thousands of years, thousands and thousands. And it happened so the health epidemic happened very slowly over time and then also in sapiens he has another really good point that backs this up is that he talks about what's called the law of luxury and that basically states that luxuries become necessities over time and we basically raise our standards and this just happens over time and we can see it now today i mean we have more than we ever had and there's no way we can even see this with the phones this would be a great way to relate it back maybe not ten thousand years ago it's hard to fathom that but we have the phones now could you get rid of that and live in a society without it today yes you could but are you willing to do it no most likely not because now a phone 10 years ago was an absolute luxury as was a computer as was everything that we had but now it's a necessity we need it this is how progress happens this is what progress is and that we can also see with food sugars preservative preservatives and abundance and all of these things make sense over time so there is again no conspiracy there's not some People sitting in a dark room making decisions, trying to poison us to make us sick and fat. It was just decisions made over time. And the consumer, us, liked all the food, liked all the sugar, liked all the preservatives. It tasted good. So we ate it. And that became a luxury for us. And then the luxuries became necessities for us. And then 
you know, I was thinking of all the different kinds of arguments. There are tons to be had here. Like, okay, fine. If it's not a conspiracy, then why are they still spraying things like Roundup and glyphosate pesticides on food? And I think that's quite easy to disarm. If you just look at the statistics alone in America over the last 60 years, the population has doubled. Now, I don't know what that means to you, but when I see the number of 150 million people and then 60 years later, there are over 330 million people, a doubling of population, like the pressure on the system, education, medical, food, agricultural, of course, spraying things like Roundup at the time, because that's all they had. I'm assuming, I'm assuming they didn't have, you know, the idea was to spray this on foods to keep like pests and bugs off the foods so that there was more food to feed the rapidly growing number of people, at least in America. And I know this happens in a lot of countries, but then why don't they ban it? And that just is an easy answer. These things take a ridiculous amount of time. There's not just what, like I said, there's not a person in a room making all the decisions. These are processes. They take time, systems and in, into institutions that we have. Like I always think of education. I was a teacher for a long time. And that's one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to step back is after 20 years, I revisited an old school and it was the same, literally the same, like the same math class, the same history class. And again, I know it's not about what they're learning, the subject material it's about learning how to learn and self-reflect but i didn't really see that there and i just had kind of an icky feeling about that it just seems like it's not logical and it just can't keep up necessarily but again these institutions are trying to change colleges are trying to change high schools are trying to change they are trying to change these things just take time just like the ten thousand years to get to this point it won't take a ten thousand years to get out of it but these things take time to recoil and then i don't know about you but farming for a lot of people i couldn't even farm for myself or my family i would have no idea what to do or how to do it and i could only imagine like the the land i would need to do and how to do it so let alone the small percentage of farmers that now are responsible for feeding everybody 330 million people there's something to be said for that and then I also, this is why I love reading, if you know anything about me, obsessed with books. And this brings me to the other part of the equation. So Sapiens by Harari, and then also Stumbling on Happiness by Daniel Gilbert. And then he has one of my favorite points in the book is what he calls super replicators. And I'm going to read a, a decently sized passage here. So stick with me because I think this is absolutely fascinating. Quote, in short, the production of wealth does not necessarily make individuals happy, but it does serve the needs of an economy, which serves the needs of a stable society, which serves as a network for the propagation of delusional beliefs about happiness and wealth. Economies thrive when individuals strive, but because individuals will only strive for their own happiness, it is essential that they mistakenly believe that producing and consuming are roots to personal well-being. Although words such as delusional may seem to suggest some sort of shadowy conspiracy orchestrated by a small group of men in dark suits, the belief transmission game teaches us that the propagation of false beliefs does not require that anyone be trying to perpetrate a magnificent fraud on an innocent populace. 
There is no cabal at the top, no star chamber, no master manipulator whose clever program of indoctrination and propaganda has duped us all into believing that money can buy us love. Rather, this particular false belief is a super replicator because holding it causes us to engage in the very activities that perpetuate it. End quote. And what all of this is saying, he's talking about money and then he also moves into talking about kids, is that the money is a super replicator and that we all need to believe that money makes us happy so that we will go pursue money and by pursuing money we will add to the growth of the economy this is capitalism this is how the market works and you can replace money he also goes to replace money with children which i think is aggressive but it's a belief i've long held so it's always nice when you read something and you're like yeah that substantiates my beliefs and i've always said that that like people so many people a lot of people i know always seem so miserable to have children and he shows a really interesting chart where happiness um, is highest when people get married and then it decreases for about 18 years after they have a child hmm interesting correlation there and then when the children leave the happiness shoots back up um, and this was from a couple of studies that were done from the book in stumbling on happiness definitely definitely a must read um, and then you can also replace this with food i see food as also a super replicator we believe that certain foods were good for us over time like wheat and sugars and companies kept making them and us going to get them propagated the delusion that we were being well-fed and luxury how many people especially if you're american out there listening believe like oh america's great we have everything we have all the freedoms we've got all the food our grocery stores are stocked like we have pride in that I know I used to travel abroad and I've seen Americans. They're very prideful. Not saying that I'm not. I just never was really that tied. I liked again, so cliche, but I like to see myself as a global citizen. But again, there's a lot of pride that's tied to these things and they're super replicators as we as long as we believe that what we're eating is good for us and that it's healthy and all these things and again this just goes to information and what we believe and i see this as just a generational thing it's definitely not some sort of conspiracy if your grandparents ate a certain kind of food they ate it based on what they knew or what they didn't know either way it doesn't matter that informed their decisions about what they ate and then they pass that on to their children so let's say your parents and then your parents ate a certain way why just because so much of life is just because until you gain awareness and start asking questions which to be honest many people just don't and now with the invent of you know social media and knowledge economy more knowledge is being spread easily accessible i think people are getting the information but yet they were lacking one major part which was self-awareness because that is the basis and foundation for everything so once you have self-awareness you can start to be like huh why am i eating this huh why did i why do i feel bad right now after just eating a huge pizza huh okay maybe that could be why and then you start to draw connections so anyways it's not con some conspiracy theory it's a thousand thousands of years of decisions made by people that were doing the best and making the decisions with the information they had at the time in the systems and in the context that they had and that is and that leads me to another point that this person made about like doctors oh yeah just prescribe a pill and they made it seem so bad but 
how easily we forget 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, when did the antibiotic come out? Maybe not even 50 years ago. Like that was the considered one of the greatest inventions of all time. Antibiotics alone. And then pills became a thing like medicine increased. So yes, if somebody had high blood pressure or was diabetic, giving them pills was the best, the best option. I hope I'm making that very clear. In the context, at the time, the doctors who went to school and learned these things were making the best decisions with the information that they were taught at the time. And that is an institution. And then that's how it works. They go to school and they learn those things. Then they teach other people. And then the schools teach them. And then the next generation comes in and they learn from the doctors. And then they do the same thing. And that's where we got to was that pills became the answer. And the population came to see the pills as the answer also because they believe in the authority of doctors. I thought of it was good for not too long ago as well that you would go see a doctor. He told you what to do. And of course, it's trust. It's an institution based on trust. We trust doctors. We trust lawyers. We trust teachers. We go there and we expect them to do their jobs because they went to the institutions that we approved of and are now teaching our children or taking care of our, you know, our parents and family and children because it's trust. And that's where we were until not too long ago. This is not some conspiracy. I'm going to keep saying that we're just companies are like, yes, let's feed them poison. And this leads me to another thing about healthcare. I've traveled all over the world. I lived in Hong Kong for a while. And I say this time and time again, when I come back, I've been injured. I used to play sports and people will be like, oh my God, how did you get medical care over there? Get your teeth clean. And I continue to say this again, if you don't know or haven't traveled, you can't understand. And I get that. But other countries have better healthcare than America. Like better as in better. I mean like better, truly better, more advanced. I believe more forward thinking, but also at the same time, they also follow. This is the key point. They follow the same logic. This is a global medical economy. I could go somewhere in Hong Kong and get the same kind of treatment that I would get here. Similar with the same kind of processes like, oh, this hurts. Okay. I'll follow these doctrines, these guidelines, these steps, these questions. Okay. This must be wrong with you. Okay. Go get an MRI scan. They follow the same procedure. Do you think that procedure happened within the last five years, 10 years, 30, 40, 50? This is an ongoing process that takes years, decades to get to where we are now. These things don't just change. And also that's important to state too, is that new information is becoming available daily. Like fasting wasn't really a thing until let's say five, six years ago, when I think it was Dr. Jason Fung made it kind of mainstream. I'm sure it was, it's been around for a while. And we always say that now, like, oh, all these other people fasted, you know, Gandhi, um, fasting has been around for centuries but nobody knew about it. We weren't as connected. It's just so easy to forget the context of the time when these decisions were being made. Nobody knew about fasting. I didn't know about fasting until I got self-awareness and started learning about things. If you don't have these things, then you can never know. And it's a simple thing of you don't know what you don't know. And it's not what you see. It's what you know about what you see. If I read a book or see something online, but I don't know anything about it, then it means nothing to me. So that's a little bit of rant about that. But then I think the most important thing to tie this all together is that, and this is the harshest point, I think, is that we are the problem. We are 100% the problem. 
because that's how a free market works. Companies create products, they put them out into the market. If the consumer buys them, they continue to make more of that product. Trying to simplify this, I know it all makes sense. I know we all know it, but we hate to take the blame for the problem. And then you could say, yeah, but they just put that in there just to make more money and to trick us. Well, no, they put it in there because you were buying it. Your grandparents were buying it. Your parents were buying it. That's how market economies work. Now you could say that, okay, they didn't know any better. No one told them. Yeah, no one told anybody anything back then. Information wasn't as readily available like it is online like it is today and spreading like wildly through social media. This is a very recent thing that's happening. And then that goes back to the institutions to change anything like this. Big companies, institutions, we have to spread information. People have to be aware of what they're doing and they have to stop buying this. So if we look at like, let's say Coca-Cola or ice cream, if you don't buy that, they will 100% stop making it. It will cease to exist. If tomorrow everybody on the planet stops buying that pizza, Coca-Cola, and ice cream, it will never be made again. That's how market economies work. It's very, very simple. So that's it. We have to start. They only will buy like companies want money. And now that we know that, and we already knew that, they will make and sell whatever you buy. Um, This is just a long rant. I think I'm just trying to talk through some thoughts here because, again, when I got into stand-up comedy, I think, I forget her name, but one of the comedians, famous comedian, she said, if you don't know what to write, follow what makes you angry. And I heard this yesterday, some guy who's got almost a million followers, which kind of upsets me. And then I looked through the comments. He was like, oh yeah, there's a conspiracy. They're trying to keep you fat and sick. And that's not the case at all. Just people have a lack of access to information like you don't know what you don't know really i see so many people that don't know about health until they see me like oh why are you fasting why are you not eating i've never heard of that why would you do that people aren't doing their own deep 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 information research and trying these things out at all they're just not that's not what most people do so it's i think a responsibility of people who create content not to spread the ideas of conspiracy and i like i said i looked through the comments and people were like yeah confirmed i always thought this you know i knew it was a conspiracy i knew they were trying to poison us and i just think this is a lot of misinformation and then of course they're selling something um which nothing wrong with that again we're in a market economy we're selling stuff but i think trying to tell people that they're overweight and sick is that someone in a dark room is making decisions to try to make them sick and fat i just don't think that's how it works that's not how history works this has been a process of decision making over time like you could say that how come we wouldn't say that with wheat right like oh my god they're putting wheat in all of our food you would never argue that that's that's the way it went for 12,000 years like that was the initial crop that domesticated us right we're not gonna argue that but yeah we'll argue sugar you know I mean again I understand that some people who are obese it is a again it's a chemical imbalance I think it is also a choice like this will make you again I've never been there but I've heard like it can make you need to eat and feel like you're starving if you don't get unhealthy food or fats or sugars 
but then that comes back down to self-awareness and knowing that you're not going to starve to death if you don't eat sugar and then making a choice it really is a choice no matter how hard it is even if it feels like you're gonna die i mean i went five days eating no food it does feel like you can't go on any longer but then you make the choice to do it because you know you'll be okay or in this case not do it anyways just a, a rant about all of that and those are my main points right read sapiens read stumbling on happiness you kind of get an idea of how we got to where we are why humans make the decisions that they do and that these things didn't just happen yesterday that they happen over thousands of years with tiny decisions to put us where we are and then super replicators is that we are responsible as a society because that's where we are that's where we are a global society a global network that's what nations are that's what people are we follow stories and identities and this is where it got us right now. So the only way out of this is to spread the information in a easily digestible way so people can try this. And then obviously with the doctors prescribing pills, that will change over time. And fasting will eventually, or things like that, fasting and diet will become more mainstream. So I think it's important to educate people, but not spread the idea that things are a conspiracy because that's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that. So stop buying the junk of course just you stopping buying it isn't going to change the world but it's a start and honestly you will feel better i think that's one of the things i i keep wanting to pass along to people is that the longevity thing like if you eat healthy you're gonna live forever maybe you will who knows again harari talks about that in sapiens about the gilgamesh project and possibly extending our lifespan or even doubling it by the year 2050 or by the end of uh, 2100 so we'll see but anyway stop buying it. it you might not live a bazillion years but you'll feel better in the day today and remember it's just the market economy it's how it worked it's what we signed up for consumerism um people are going to keep buying because that's what keep the keeps the economy going but do your part to stay informed make the right decisions and always do and have your best day